It's Wednesday, September the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the Taliban's new government and Britain's new tax. First, the world in brief. The Taliban announced an interim government for Afghanistan, comprising 33 men, naturally, with Mullah Mohammed Asana Kund, a close aide to Mullah Omar, the Taliban's former leader, to take the reins as Prime Minister. Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada, another co-founder, will be his deputy. Sirajuddin Haqqani, who has an American bounty on his head, will be Interior Minister. Mullah Yaqub, Omar's son, will act as Defence Minister. It is not only sexual inclusivity that will be lacking. The Taliban's pledge to welcome other political groups into government was also forgotten. Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced a new tax to bolster the National Health Service and to reform decrepit social care services. Mr Johnson had promised not to levy any such taxes when elected in 2019. National insurance payments will rise by 1.25 percentage points for both employees and employers from next April until the new levy is introduced in 2023. The tax on shared dividends will also rise. Mexico's Supreme Court voted unanimously to end criminal penalties for abortions. The court struck down a law in the northern state of Coahuila that imprisoned women for procuring the procedure illegally. The ruling will compel all of Mexico's states to stop penalising abortion, a striking development in the predominantly Catholic country. The price of Bitcoin hovered around $47,000 on Tuesday, down about 10% from the day before, after El Salvador became the first country to adopt it as legal tender. Its government-run digital wallet, known as, quote, Chivo, was temporarily disabled to increase server capacity. Nayib Bukele, the president, tweeted that innovation involves a, quote, learning curve, but that the country, quote, must break the paradigms of the past. Mass rallies in Brazil in support of Jair Bolsonaro, the president, were peaceful, despite worries that they might turn violent. Mr. Bolsonaro spoke at demonstrations in Brasilia and Sao Paulo and flew over one in a helicopter. He directed his ire at the Supreme Court, which has investigated some of his allies over graft allegations. Intel said it would build at least two new semiconductor factories in Europe, including one in Ireland, primarily to supply car makers, with overall investment in the region reaching as much as 80 billion euros, 94.7 billion dollars, over the next decade. In recent years, the American firm has lost ground to more nimble chip designers, including Arm, a British company, and to gigantic Asian chip producers such as TSMC. Toyota said it would spend more than 1.5 trillion yen, 13.6 billion dollars, to develop and manufacture electric car batteries by 2030. The car maker will build an undisclosed number of battery factories around the world with 70 production lines. Slow to invest in fully electric models given its strength in hybrids, Toyota now plans to sell 2 million fully electric cars a year by the end of the decade. And fact of the day, 18.6%, the average annual increase in American house prices in June, the third record-breaking rise in as many months. And now here's today's agenda. Meme over matter. GameStop's results. 
GameStop will release its second quarter earnings after the New York stock market closes today. The company, a retail gaming hub with brick-and-mortar stores, reported a loss last quarter and in three quarters last year. Before the pandemic, it was already suffering from the shift to e-commerce. But its share price has surged by more than 1,000% in the year to date. Frenzied activity by day traders has fueled the stock. Retail investors rallied online and sent its price soaring on January 27th. More than seven months later, GME for GameStop remains one of the most mentioned tickers on r slash Wall Street bets, the Reddit forum that has also driven share price growth for companies such as AMC Entertainment and Virgin Galactic. GameStop's results will still be watched by traditional investors who allocate funds based on performance. But the rise of quote meme stocks is based on the idea that tangible measurements matter less than ever. Terror on trial. Paris remembers. In a specially built courtroom in Paris, the biggest criminal trial France has ever held begins today. On November 13th, 2015, gunmen and suicide bombers murdered 130 people and injured over 350 in attacks on the Bataclan concert venue, several cafes and the Stade de France. It was the most deadly terrorist attack that the country has ever known. Of the 20 defendants, only one, Salam Abdusalam, is a surviving member of the assailant group that carried out the attacks. Others are mostly accused of logistical support. So far, during his long pre-trial prison term, he has refused to speak to investigators. Over the coming eight months, the court will hear testimony from some of the 1,800 civil plaintiffs, as well as Francois Hollande, who was president at the time. The trial will be painful, as the French relive the horror of the event. Security agencies are also on high alert for further attacks as proceedings begin. Argentine Ambition Latin America's Climate Summit Alberto Fernandez, Argentina's president, holds a regional summit on climate change today ahead of COP26, the United Nations Climate Summit this November. Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary-General, and representatives of America's government will be in virtual attendance. At the last minute, Brazil and Mexico, Latin America's two biggest greenhouse gas emitters, also signed on. Argentina is a surprising choice of host. It is the third largest emitter in the region. Mr Fernandez is not known for his climate credentials. He has poured billions of dollars in government subsidies into oil and gas projects, particularly shale gas fracking, despite promising to reduce emissions by 19% from 2007 levels by 2030. But his advisers acknowledge another agenda. John Kerry, America's climate envoy, has been courting the country to take a stronger stance on environmental issues. And Mr Fernandez is keen to build relations with the Biden administration as the Argentine government seeks new terms on its $45 billion loan from the IMF. Adomani Berlusconi in court The latest trial arising from Silvio Berlusconi's quote bunga bunga parties is due to resume today, but whether it actually will is unclear. 
On Tuesday, the Italian former Prime Minister's lawyer sought a postponement, citing his client's ill health. Mr Berlusconi, aged 84, is suffering from long COVID and has visited hospital three times in the past two weeks, once staying overnight. But judges have already granted one lengthy postponement issued in May. Since Mr Berlusconi's lawyers have delayed other trials until the charges lapsed, the court may want independent evidence of his condition before conceding another. The TV magnate is accused of bribing guests at his parties, including numerous young women, to say they were, quote, elegant dinners rather than orgies. Mr Berlusconi's Forza Italia party polls in the single figures these days. But it is not irrelevant, as it could yet provide the vital seats that the right will need for a majority after Italy's next election. More than Chick Lit The Women's Prize for Fiction Susanna Clarke's Piranesi, in which a recluse trapped in a labyrinthine house communicates with a mysterious other, has been hailed as a masterpiece, pushing the boundaries of fantasy and surrealism. She is the favourite to win this year's Women's Prize for Fiction, which is awarded today. The $30,000-$41,000 prize, open to writers of any nationality, was established in 1996 by a group working in the British publishing industry, frustrated by how few literary awards featured women, despite them publishing more books than men. This year, six authors are in contention, all of them shortlisted for the first time. Yajesi's Transcendent Kingdom examines the suffering of a Ghanaian family in Alabama. Claire Fuller's Unsettled Ground tells a story of isolated siblings in rural England dealing with grief. Britt Bennett and Patricia Lockwood, both American writers, and Cherry Jones, a debut novelist from Barbados, complete the list. All the titles have seen sales soar since their inclusion. Summer Quiz Week 8 It is the last chance to beat our baristas in the Summer Quiz. For Week 8, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Wednesday. Which 1916 treaty between Britain and France was known as, quote, a line in the sand because it carved up the two countries' areas of influence in the Middle East. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ludovico Ariosto. For when the water is up to your neck, you must be truly stubborn not to cry for help. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.